December 26, 2018. Christmas Bobcat Curse. This photo is Jamie and Victor hiking on Christmas Day in 2018. What is it about Christmas and Bobcats? First thing this morning, Gail texts me to say there is a dead bobcat in the middle of the road at Gun Highway in Sheldon. I texted Catherine to ask if she could have someone closer run out to make sure the cat isn't suffering. And by the time Gail texts back that there's no doubt the cat is dead, Catherine has already heard from Rebecca that she stopped to pull the cat out of the road but had no way to bring him to the sanctuary. Catherine sends Megan to retrieve the body. We will compare him to our photos of previously rehabbed bobcats before having him cremated. He will have dignity and death. We are all upset at the thought of losing yet one more precious bobcat, and it comes the day after hearing about a bobcat who was hit by a car at an airport in Sanford. The bobcat reportedly had a broken leg and was holed up in the grill of a car for three days before being removed by an animal trapper. The news reports say that the authorities sent the cat to a rehab center, but no one is saying where. We know that there is no place other than Big Cat Rescue that is properly equipped for bobcat rehab. So, as soon as the place who has him has exhausted their ability to fundraise off of him, they will probably call us to take the cat for the hard work of rehab, if they care at all about getting the cat back to the wild. So many places just love to get their failed rehab animals to fill their cages of their pathetic backyard zoos. The whole thing makes me sad. While I'm wallowing in pity for the cats who have lost their freedom and lives, I start wondering what it is about Christmas and bobcats. Is there some ancient curse on their clan? I pull out the sheet used for tracking bobcat calls we get, and the earliest entry is December 25th, 1994, and a cat we named Getz. I'd done a lot of bobcat rehab and release since I was 17, but didn't have digital records prior to when I was 31 years old in 1994. My brother was a deputy with the sheriff's department and called me in the middle of the night on Christmas saying a bobcat had been hit by a car at Sheldon Road near Meadowview Circle. When we arrived on the scene, there were half a dozen patrol cars, lights flashing, and all of the officers were in a wide circle around the bobcat with flashlights on her. We crept up on either side of her with nets, using a tactic that cats often use when they hunt together. One is the danger who comes near the face, while the other is actually the one to do the capturing. The one from behind has to be so stealthy that the animal being caught never knows what got them. The bobcat was sitting up, as best she could, pulled up to her highest on front legs. She was trying to keep this circle of cops at bay with her low, snarling threats. If you've never heard a mad bobcat, I really can't explain how terrifying that sound is. As I moved into position to take her full attention, I didn't know the extent of her injuries. If she was able, she'd launch herself to my throat and take out my trachea to save herself. She sprang with what she had and let out a blood-curdling scream of obscenities at me. I would have laughed at all those big guys with guns drawn running out into the night screaming in fear if not for the mission at hand, which was to get a net down over her without causing any further injury. Her pelvis turned out to have been crushed, so her spring wasn't much, and both nets came down over her in an instant. We called for the pet carrier to be brought over, and one of the police officers had the courage to bring it close enough that we were able to get her in it. I'd like to think that was my brother, but I really don't recall. I remember early days of rehab with Getz, where we would take off the top of the carrier and feed her strips of meat from long tongs. The entire time she'd be hurling threats at us and take an occasional swipe at us, but somehow we all got through it in time. 
Sadly, her injuries were so severe that she couldn't run, and she ended up living with us her entire life. The next Christmas bobcat was hit by a car at Dale Mabry and Lutes Lake Fern Road on December 26, 2009. The Florida Wildlife Commission called us in the middle of the night, and we raced to the scene to recover her and bring her to the sanctuary for rehab. I don't remember much about her, except that we named her Christmas, and that she died from her injuries nine days later. No amount of veterinary intervention or prayer was able to save her, and that sadness and concern that started after Christmas overshadowed the sanctuary through the new year. The next Christmas bobcat was Skip, who was discovered on December 28, 2010. A woman from Mount Plymouth, Sorrento, had called to say that they found a bobcat alongside the highway and had it loose in their SUV and wanted to know what to do next because it was getting pretty mad. Obviously, this was their first bobcat rodeo because no one makes that mistake twice. I called the woman who said her name was Nikki and she said that the bobcat was laying alongside the road and had caught her eye. Her husband, Skip, had chased him down with a blanket, scooped him up and put him in the back of the car. He was dragging his back end, so the chase wasn't much of a challenge, but picking up a very mad bobcat made him a fury of claws and teeth. Nikki said they were two blocks from their home and that they could just leave him in the car for us to deal with if we wanted. As I frantically brought up a map to see that she was two and a half hours away, I didn't think that was a great idea. I asked if she had a pet carrier that they could just plop the blanketed cat into before he fully regained his senses. She didn't, but her friend Lori did. Turns out that all three of them had visited Big Cat Rescue in the past and were eager to do anything they could to help this, to help save this skinny, crushed little bobcat. My instructions had been to completely envelop the cat in thick blanketing and take the top off the carrier, if necessary, to accommodate the entire bundle, and then bolt the top back on. I don't know why that didn't work for them, but I called Nikki back a few minutes later after starting Jamie on her way to Mount Plymouth, and Nikki said, I hope you guys will name this bobcat Skip after my husband because he is so brave. Slashing teeth and claws be danged, Skip had managed to get a grip on the bobcat's scruff and lifted him into the carrier. Even though Lori had brought over a German Shepherd-sized crate, the bobcat managed to go spread eagle over the entire door, making it a real effort to push him into the pile of blankets in the carrier. Kind of like baptizing a cat in a cereal bowl. They covered him up and waited, and waited with him while I called every vet I could find between there and Tampa. My concern was that the bobcat would go into shock before we could get him to a vet here, so I just needed someone to do a preliminary check and stabilize him. By the time I had called a dozen vets and a couple of rehabbers, two hours had passed and Jamie was nearly there. Our old van is a 1998 and has seen better days. It was shuddering so badly that Jamie Veronica had taken it into a station to check the tires, but they were okay, and the shutter was happening even when it was sitting still. I'm no mechanic, but it sounded like a knocking rod to me, and I was sweating whether or not the van would even make it to the Mount Dora area northwest of Orlando. Once I gave up on finding a vet near the Bobcat, or even on the way home, who would give him the courtesy of even the most basic care, which I assured them, I would pay for in advance if necessary. I began to try and sort out what to do when he arrived in Tampa. If Jamie didn't break down, she and the bobcat should be back in town around 6 p.m. Our primary vet, Dr. Wynn, had a previous engagement hosting a dozen people at 6 p.m. 
I asked if I should. <coughs> I asked if I should contact Florida veterinary specialists or our secondary vet, Dr. Dave Murphy. Dr. Wynn said she would call her clinic and see if Dr. Dave Danielson might be willing to look at the bobcat. He had worked with native bobcats before that, that we had brought in and was willing to help. Jamie said she would need me to bring the squeeze cage to the vet's office. How we were going to get the bobcat out of the carrier and into the squeeze cage was yet to be determined, but getting it there was the first step. I ordered pizzas for pickup because I knew Jamie hadn't eaten since this morning and didn't know if the vet and his staff would be skipping dinner to fit this bobcat, now named Skip, into their already hectic evening schedule. Jamie already had Skip inside and he was well on his way to a long, deep sleep by the time I arrived. She said they had tipped the crate up on end and hand-injected him through the grated door. Within only a couple of minutes, he was sleeping. Or so we thought. On the x-ray table, he began blinking and trying to sit up. So he got a little more ketamine and went back to sleep. The first x-ray showed the crushed pelvis, and Dr. Danielson asked if we wanted to go any further, as this was going to be a lot of major surgery with limited hope of recovery. I told him we had spent more than $7,500 on the last bobcat who needed plates and pins, so we were willing to spend the money, as long as the cat didn't have any cat killer diseases that would make him unfit for release. The blood tests were done and he had a clean bill of health, so the only other obstacle, which was determined later during a sonogram, was that he has internal bleeding and his spleen may be beyond recovery. Only a couple of days of quiet rest and careful observation will let us know if he's going to live long enough to have the work done. There was also Mr. Claus and Mrs. Claus who were rescued in separate incidents in Christmas, Florida, but they were found in November of 2015 and named for the town, not the date. The next Christmas bobcat was dead on arrival on December 21st, 2015 on Livingston Road near the overpass. Our fears were that it would be Bellina, the bionic bobcat, who we had released just five blocks away on 1,000 acres. But this female bobcat did not have any of the pins and plates that were still inside of Bellina. You might remember the next Christmas bobcat because Noel grew up on live webcams after being rescued by Kristen Burford in Apopka, Florida on December 26, 2017. An injured bobcat was left on the side of the road for dead on Christmas until a wonderful family stepped in to help her. Noel had two broken legs repaired by our vet in hopes to give her a second chance. She was named Noel by the concerned viewers who watched her arrival at the sanctuary hospital and her medical exam. On Christmas Day, around 3 p.m., a family saw an injured bobcat by the highway. They called the police and they were told they would take care of it. However, when the concerned family went back around 9 p.m. to check, sadly, the poor injured bobcat was still there waiting for help to arrive. Unwilling to forsake this pressured injured cat, this precious injured cat, the Good Samaritans were wise enough to call Kristen Burford, who went out and captured the injured bobcat. The poor cat was too injured to stand or walk, but tried to scrabble away before collapsing. The morning after Christmas was spent with Kristen trying to find someone to help this poor, injured, wild bobcat. After calling every rehabber she could think of and being told they did not have space, she called Big Cat Rescue. Of course, we came right away, and all of Noelle's rehab and release has been captured in photos, videos, and live webcams at her page, bigcatrescue.org slash Noelle. So, 
On this day after Christmas in 2018, I am sad that another couple of bobcats have fallen victim to this fateful time of year. But I am even more thankful for everyone who has made it possible for us to rescue, rehab, and release those we can. It seems like a fitting time to announce the new Bobcat Rehab course we have recently published online. Our hopes are that we can get this life-saving information into the hands of rehabbers, state authorities, veterinarians, and anyone who may one day be the difference between life and death for a bobcat. It's free and will only take a couple hours of your time at zoocollege.com forward slash course forward slash bobcat. If you're enjoying my diary, please like, share, and subscribe. You can find other ways to connect to me over at bigcatrescue.org forward slash carol.baskin.